you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You know it's a special edition of the Around the NFL podcast when this is how it starts. Breaking news <laughs> in the NFL uh, late Tuesday afternoon. Chip Kelly, the genius himself, fired by the Philadelphia Eagles after three seasons, five and nine this season, here with Wes and Greg. Um, Mark will join us a little later in the show once we get to the proper edition of Tuesdays around the NFL podcast. But let's unpack this real quick off the top. I'll start with you, Wes. Kelly, 10-6 and his first two years. Things fell apart with him as the personnel man in addition to the coach. And the Eagles decide to get out while the getting is bad. Do you agree with the move? Mm. Well, I think the shocking thing was that it happened this week instead of next week. That was the most surprising thing. But I, I think he kind of brought this on himself with his pers- his fight for personnel power last about a year ago, and it all backfired on him. Sam Bradford didn't turn out to be the solution at quarterback. DeMarco Murray was one of the worst free agent signings. He got rid of uh, LaShawn McCoy, and that didn't work out. He got rid of Evan Mathis, and the offensive line wasn't very good. Signed Byron Maxwell, who's not a number one cornerback. What, which of his moves worked? <laughs> None of them, and you're right. When I was going through the list coming up with the different personnel moves for our article, I just kept thinking, oh, that didn't work out. Oh, that was a disaster. Oh, DeMarco Murray, by the way, told Jeffrey Lurie, the team's owner, on the plane. Remember that story that yes. came out a few weeks ago? When he spoke to him, Ian Rappaport, our NFL media insider, reported tonight that Murray told Lurie he had no confidence whatsoever in Kelly as a coach. So that was the guy you gave all that money to. Apparently snitches don't get stitches. I no. wonder if Kelly has any confidence in Murray. That goes both ways. Right. I don't think that's obviously the reason uh, that um, – Kelly got fired, although I do think the unrest among players not liking his style maybe carries more weight with ownership or the front office 
at a point where the team starts looking flat and starts losing. They're not going to care about that if you're winning, but when it starts losing and you're in Philadelphia and the situation becomes ugly, maybe they listen to the players a little bit. This from Jeffrey Jeffrey Lurie, who released a statement uh, shortly after the news came out. I spent the last three seasons evaluating the many factors involved in our performance as a team. As I watched this season unfold, I determined that it was time to make a change. And, you know, Lurie has to – accept a, a big amount of responsibility for this going haywire as well. I mean, they made the decision on January 2nd, 2015. Uh, the news came out that Chip, Chip Kelly had been given total personnel power uh, of the operation along with who's his boy, Ed Manowitz. Manowitz, thank you. Uh, and that didn't work at all. As we're saying, everything Chip did turned to stone, uh, and that falls on the owner for misidentifying Chip Kelly as a personnel talent. I think the disappointing thing for me is his first two seasons he wins. We think he has his revolutionary offense. And I don't think he stayed long enough to find out if his system works in the NFL. Yeah. Did we, did we get a definitive answer on that? If Yes. He, well, it worked the first two years. No matter what you want to say about it, he created ca- offense and he improved the team. But defenses catch up to gimmick offenses in the NFL. They caught up to the read option. And his defense, I believe, was 32nd in the league over the last three years combined. Oof. So I, I, I some, something, Indictment. something wasn't working. Well, part of that is you end up exposing your team to more plays on both sides of the ball. So that helps goose your offensive numbers. Per play, you're not as good maybe, but you just have so many plays, and then it hurts your defensive numbers. Brian Baldinger made the good point on NFL Network that Malcolm Jenkins has already played 1,050 snaps. He's played two more games than a lot of other starters out there, and he still has one more week to go. I do think that the 20 wins he racked up the first couple of years, including an exciting style of play, the pace of play, uh, could give him another chance. Someone tweeted out, uh, I'm looking at it right now, you know, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Ron Rivera, Sean Payton, those are some of the coaches who had worse records in their first three seasons. It's not like he was a disaster. He was, I mean... As a personnel man, he seemed like a disaster. But as a yeah. coach, things were working those first two years. They went to the playoffs. And if you look ahead, spin forward, there's a lot. Th- I mean, this is now a major uh, rebuild going on within the Eagles in terms of the front office. Uh, but for Chip Kelly, I guess the two places, and I wrote a piece on the Around the NFL site about this, what's next for Chip, the two teams uh, to look at right now, and especially one, the Tennessee Titans uh, rap sheet reported that uh, he had spoke to someone in their front office a few weeks back and, you know, would they be interested in Chip Kelly? And they said, you know, we can't say we'd be interested in him just because uh, he was under contract, but they didn't say they weren't interested. Now he's not under contract. The other team, I would say you could at least put into the mix is the Cleveland Browns, who very nearly landed Chip Kelly as the coach three years ago before he was lured away back to Philadelphia. Uh, Joe Banner's not there anymore. He was involved in the courtship of Kelly, but Jimmy Haslam's still there, the owner. Uh, so maybe they'll make another play. And then, of course, the college game where he um, got rich in the first place and became a well-known offensive innovator. Is there a team in the college ranks that will um, woo him away? Well, by all accounts, he wants to stay in the NFL, and there's no major college jobs available anymore this year. So even if he wanted to go back to college, he might have to He could be it. like a really unlikable analyst for a year and then <laughs> he seemed go back like to college. He would not enjoy that. Yeah, I, that's what surprises me because this broke an hour, an hour and a half ago, and I've heard so many people say that he belongs in college and that's where he's going to end up. But he's only said that he wants to stay in the NFL. He's repeated that many times. Marcus Mariota 
of course, uh, recruited by Chip Kelly at Oregon. The Eagles made their play to try to get Mariota to move up in the draft. Couldn't get him. This now is the most real opportunity possible where, the you know, Mike Malarkey ain't coming back in Tennessee. Maybe they the Tennessee brass sees a Kelly Mariota fit. Makes sense. And, you know, the number one pick. So that's a pretty nice job if you're Chip Kelly uh, to go re- revitalize the franchise. That's all in the deep distance or middle distance at this point. But right now the that's genius – and I'm getting a lot of tweets, by the way. People are like, oh, you must be loving this. And I don't like when people get fired. I'm not, I'm not a soulless man. You have a lot of soul. But I have to say uh, that. That's what I think when I think Dan Hans is The genius did get his comeuppance in the fact that he was a guy who thought he could do it all. And at least in this one season, small sample, he was proven to be a guy that was not such a genius in all ways when it comes to the National Football League, at least. So we'll see what happens next. Let's now, guys. Go to the rest of the program. The Sizzler joins us. We have some fun. Matt Money Smith, take it away, baby. The Around the NFL podcast has suggestions for Carrie Underwood. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. I don't think we all have the same suggestion for Carrie Underwood. Oh, sure. Did you say, hey, Dan, or Mark? I did. I did. You sound, because I was looking down, you sounded like Sessler. Mm. I've been working on my ventriloquism. <laughs> I'll tell Whoa. you what's up today. Hansis' hair is on another level. It's time. It's peacock. <laughs> peacocking. I got to go to the old uh, blind barber tomorrow and get it done. Get a haircut. There's a particular tuft of, like, white gray hair that is just sticking straight up in the sky. Beautifully. Well, that's reaching out to the heavens where it belongs. That's well, how I like to look at you it. You said we would have different suggestions for Carrie Underwood, Mark. I mean, I think most of us seem to share the suggestion, let's get a new singer on, on Sunday Night Football pregame. Couldn't happen fast enough. Terrible, guys. Dan oh, that's her. right. Dan, Dan likes her. her. Or it. the idea of her, something about her. Yeah. This is the uh, – If you're going to sing a pregame show, hey, let's stick a pin in have it for some now. dance moves or something. Let's stick a pin in it for now. That's all I'll say. No Priyanka. This is the uh, Tuesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, the uh, show in which we uh, you know, hit all the news that's uh, cooking in the early portion of another week of football, the final week of the regular season. Uh, here we are, week 17, uh, coming up upon us uh, in a few days. So uh, we'll talk what's going on in the news. We will get into, uh, you know, Greg, your uh, playoff knowledge will be tested once again in mm. seedings and, and things of that nature. Uh, we will talk about the playoff picture overview, which uh, some things fell into place uh, in Monday night's game between the Bengals and Broncos. And, of course, that's a game we will talk about in a matter of seconds even, uh, a Monday night football game that Greg called a classic. Always hitting me with – you know, criticism about dropping classic on things. This is a very good game. Classic, let's, you know, come on. Calm down a little bit. <laughs> when did I call it a classic? I don't even remember that. Something you wrote it in your copy uh, when yeah, you were breaking down the AFC playoff picture. Well, but that's fine. Great game. <laughs> you know it what it was? It would make my top 10 games of the year. I don't know if that qualifies you have classic. Like 37 games in your top no. 10 games of the year. You're like true. Dick Vitale trying to talk about number one basketball. Let me guess. You wrote this last night after yeah. the game. And the one thing I'll say about Greg. You know, Greg, in a lot of ways, like a lot of things, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, who cares? 
but when it comes to football, this is real. Greg loves professional football. He loves to watch it. He loves to talk about it. He loves to write about it. So I think that enthusiasm spills out onto the page, and you were all wired after watching that OT thriller. Yeah. Out comes classic in your lead. I don't think that it was in the lead. Maybe it was. I don't even remember. You remember writing this story, Greg. But. How many scotches were in you? <laughs> Zero. The uh, Bengals-Broncos, we went into it saying it was going to be the most impactful game of the season in terms of the playoffs. And then it delivered an interesting game we haven't seen before. I know Mark wanted a nice low-scoring game. He got one. There were twists and turns. It was tense. It, it would be in the top ten games of the year, I promise you. Maybe I'll make my list that's just good, for you, Wes. That's a good list. That's a good post on the Around the it's NFL good, page. It's a good off-season article to promote NFL Game Pass because a lot of fans constantly tweet me asking, which game should I watch once the off-season starts? Interesting. Go. Interesting. It's all coming together. Uh, we a lot of fans well. of Wes, by the way, not just football fans. Wes fans. His fan base. Well, I didn't yeah. mean that. I yeah, you know. do have a big fan base. <laughs> it's uh, about me. Yeah. <laughs> now we're just now I'm just delivering <laughs> drops. <laughs> it's about me. There you go, Sydney. How are you, Sydney, by the way? I'm doing well. I've been good. away for a little while. It's good to be back. Welcome back from uh, Utah. Yes, thank you. And um, we're going to do some news in a little bit, Sydney. Before that, we're going to talk about the Monday Night Football game. Let's do it. The Denver Broncos have clinched a playoff berth in the AFC on a day where they enter a very unusual situation for the Broncos on Monday Night Football. If they won the game, they're in the playoffs with a chance to be the number one seed. If they would have lost this game, they would have a chance going into Week 17 to miss the playoffs entirely, from, to go from four, 1 to 7 and out. Won't happen because despite falling behind 14 to nothing, uh, they manage a comeback with Brock Osweiler uh, leading the way at quarterback. They tie the game. Brandon McManus uh, ridiculously pulls a field goal attempt in the final seconds of regulation. So far left, he misses the net. How humiliating. Kicker humiliation. But he gets his redemption. They re receive the ball in overtime. They win the coin toss. Take the ball, by the way, Greg. That's what they did. They said, oh, we won the coin toss. We'll take the ball first because it's cool to take the ball and then win football games. They go down the field. McManus hits the field goal, puts him ahead. They get a stop. DeMarcus Ware recovered a mishandled snap by A.J. McCarron, who played pretty well in this game, but not well enough. Final score, 20-17. to 17. Chris Wessling, you wrote up uh, the takeaways piece on NFL.com. Uh, six of them, in fact, meaty as they are. Let's talk about it. Your thoughts. Well, while we're engaging in hyperbole as regards <laughs> to this game, I thought it was one of the closest games of the year that this game, at most points in the game after halftime, you thought could have gone e either way. And they seem to be two very evenly matched teams with, I thought McCarron outplayed Osweiler pretty handily for four quarters. Hmm. I thought he was the better quarterback in this game. A.J. Green didn't do him any favors in the fourth quarter, dropping one pass that was a bomb downfield right in his hands and stopping his route on another pass in the end zone. That's six if he runs through the route. That, that was kind of hard to figure out. I'm with you. I I really – number one, I, I think that Greg is – you got it right. This was a top ten game this year. Uh, wait, but I think we do – make it a classic, We do label – no, but we do label too many games that way. But – this was just fun to watch because, you know, you get to the point where we've watched Peyton Manning 4,000 times and Andy Dalton, the bunch, and it's two young quarterbacks that I think are pretty well coached at this point for where they are. I love Hugh Jackson and what he does with the Bengals offense, and A.J. McCarron just seemed 
comfortable out there, and he kind he wasn't too big for him, and Not he played all. fantastically up until the final decisive error. But really, I mean, I don't think this is a team that you can just discount because A.J. McCarron's in at quarterback. He can do almost anything that we've uh, seen Dalton do. I will just say, and, you know, McCarron did play well, but if you look at, uh, and there were some misses like Wes said with A.J. Green, but they scored their second touchdown with eight minutes to play in the second quarter, three points the rest of the way. So it wasn't like he was shredding this Broncos defense and playing oh, yeah, lights out They were out a fantastic football. defense, though. No, right? they, they only had one drive in the second – or two drives in the second half where they moved the ball at all. Some of that's play calling. Hugh Jackson got more conservative in the second half with a lead and started running the ball a lot more. And, you know, McCarron was put in so many third-down situations, and I thought – through some great passes on third down. I, I agree because the Broncos defense is the best group in this game. They're the best defense in the league. And those touchdowns they got in the first half, they earned them. All those third down passes, there was very little window for him to fit the ball into, and he kept doing it play after play. That's hard to do, to keep dialing up 12-play, 14-play drives. I'm thinking of one throw to Marvin Jones, which he sailed. Uh, in the second half where he had to be perfect. It wasn't quite perfect. There was a first and five after they had a penalty, and he had an open guy for a first down. He missed that throw. You know, you're not going to hit every throw in the game, but when you're playing the Broncos, that's the thing. You have to almost be perfect. So I think they deserve a lot of the credit for the win, and Gary Kubiak deserves a lot of the credit for the win because they made some significant halftime adjustments. They go no huddle in the second half. That works. They go zone coverage instead of man-to-man in the second half, and that worked. And they get Vernon Davis off the field and just go with the other two tight ends the whole time, and that seemed to work too. So everything Kubiak did really seemed to pay off uh, in the second half of that game. Owen Daniels was a bad, bad, bad individual last night. It was interesting because if (laughs) if you just watched the first quarter, you would have thought that Hugh Jackson was coaching circles around Wade Phillips. And then after halftime, like you said, the adjustment to the zone defense and Kubiak's adjustments, you have to credit the Broncos coaches. Big play in this game also. Uh, they're up 14 nothing. Cincinnati is um, with uh, eight minutes to play. Uh, they go down the field, take it down to the 231 mark. They hold the ball for six minutes. And then Mike Nugent can't kick a 45-yard field goal. Nuge. So it could have been 17 nothing with the Broncos getting the ball back for one more possession. I thought that field goal kind of swung the game a little bit. It, it, it got the crowd a little more excited. Broncos go down the field. They kick a field goal and make the kick uh, at the half, and then the comeback is on. Uh, so the Bengals really had the Broncos on the ropes. And, you know, if they now don't get the bye, which could be a real challenge for them now, uh, they are going to uh, mm. rue the day they let this opportunity slip away because they were in total command uh, for most of the first half. They had 16 plays in the first half, the Broncos did rather, and the Bronco, the Bengals had 16 first downs. So it was a dominant first half, and that's why I think it was one of the best games of the year because the two quarterbacks showed up and did well, and I think the great players in this game all played really well. I mean, Marvin Jones making plays, Sanu, A.J. Green early was making some tough catches. Von Miller, who was very quiet early, kind of took the game over late. So all the all the players you wanted to see step up, they did step up. I enjoyed watching the constant cutaways to John Elway <laughs> going on an emotional roller coaster. It's it rewarding. <laughs> I like that kind of stuff in a game. That's like why you don't cutaways. get that on when you watch when we watch so many of these games I like the on cutaways, Mark. on condensed game pass. You don't see some of the little. The drapings around the action. I like Elway maybe <laughs> thinking everything is going to crumble around him, and then they, it doesn't, but it will at some point. Because you're not an Elway fan. No, I respect Elway a lot. Actually. Oh, you do? Yeah. I thought because of the 
stuff that oh, happened. I'm over that. And yeah. and since this is – well, I guess they do get a playoff game, but it is the last Monday night football game of the year. Watching this once again, I just had to think. I it, They've passed They've passed the NBC crew. It's official. Tariko in my books, Tariko and Gruden, now the best in the game. Really? I think so. I struggle – you know, I love watching I love Gruden so teaches Rico, you things. I'm on. You're I'm learning. On that. Gruden does a great job, but for me to to turn away from Alan Chris, I, I'm not ready to do it. Yet. Hey, two legends. I take two Tariqo. legendary teams. They're both great, but sometimes there's a new champion. Uh, Mark, did you want to share your insight via text message before kickoff today uh, on Monday night about Mike Tarico? I will. You know, Tarico had his pregame, and I texted. I think it was just to Dan. Yeah. Because I know Dan's a huge, huge. You're a Tarico Ike. So yeah. I just found the fact during his pregame presentation, here we are, a guy, what is he, like 5'3 or something? He's yeah. a very small guy, kind of pudgy, uh-huh. bald, not trying to be Brad Pitt or anything. But you know what? He's exceedingly – I was like, this guy just strikes me as massively charismatic because he knows what he's doing and he loves what he's doing. And I have, <laughs> if I have fallen, followed Dan down any path, it's the Mike Tirico path. He is my, and he's you know my A over A1 to Al Michaels. I don't know if charismatic is the word I would use for Mike Tirico. <laughs> That's how I feel about okay. him, though. You know, and what do you feel about him? What word would you use? Uh, industrious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, less and, sexy. You know, maybe he won't be on a primetime soap opera anytime soon, but – you know, that knowledge of the game and in the rule book and a, a way with words, that's attractive in its own way. The word I would use for him is professional. Well, he is a professional. Unlike Bob Costas. Just kidding. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Can't take those words back. All right, so that was Monday Night Football, and we'll uh, dig in a little bit later on what this means for the AFC playoff picture. Let's now move straight to the uh, news. If the football what? gods deem that we're worthy, maybe we will. That draw can only be one man, my boy Todd Bowles. Uh, but we will not be talking about the Jets today. Well, I'll find a way to talk about the Jets at some point. I can almost promise you that. But right now we are going to talk about the Bengals because A.J. McCarron, uh, as we just talked about, played a very nice game in prime time. But on that last play, when he uh, – it was a gaff, He did not catch the snap, and DeMarcus Ware recovered. Uh, when he went to recover the ball, he got his wrist injured. That hurts its top ten game status. They needed a better ending than botching a shotgun snap, mm. and McCarron needed a better ending. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna kill him for that, but ultimately he made a total boneheaded error that ended the game. That's fair. Um, AJ McCarron suffered a sprained wrist, and it's a significant injury, according to NFL media insider Ian Rappaport. It is on his non-throwing hand, uh, but. It is, uh, it is unclear at this point whether McCarron will be able to start in Week 17. Andy Dalton, of course, um, is out uh, for the rest of the regular season, and Rapsheet reported on Total Access on Monday night that he might be out, um, you know, beyond the first week of the playoffs. So this idea that, you know, if they could just get through the regular season, even if they don't have a bye, Dalton will be ready to go potentially. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, so he – it's more likely Dalton wouldn't be ready until the divisional playoffs if the Bengals get that far. So that is certainly notable. Uh, and if McCarron can't go uh, in the season finale, the third quarterback is Greg. Keith Wenning. Keith Wenning is the answer. A second-year player out of Ball State. Oh, Ball State. He has never taken a snap in the league. So, listen. Uh, Greg, I'll, let me just throw it to you for a second here. I need some playoff permutations and computations. 
Um, how far can the Bengals fall if they lose with a third-string quarterback in Week 17? It wouldn't make a big difference. They're at the three seed, and they have a chance to get to the two seed. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. They have a chance to get to this two seed, and so you want to put the pressure on the Broncos, who have to host the Chargers later in the day. I can see the Broncos losing that game. So you want to win to give yourself a chance for the bye. I do think McCarron's going to play based on the reports uh, that are out there. That, that I think he'll play through it, and, and they need him to. And Wes might be of the mind that they're better off playing McCarron in the playoffs. But that does show what a big game this was last night because you could have gotten through that first round. You get to the final eight, and instead now you might have to go with McCarron. If he wins you a wild card game, you're really going to take him out for the divisional round? I know it's crazy talking. I know Dalton's an MVP candidate, and I know Dan's going to tell me I'm disrespecting Dalton. <laughs> but I can't help the feeling when I watch A.J. McCarron play. I just have more confidence in him in a big game than I do in A.J. I Dalton. See, I see why He's you're more poised. I see where you're coming from because in the back of your mind, and you are hardly alone, you still can picture Dalton coming up small in a big January spot, even if we had a lot of evidence telling us that he wasn't that guy anymore. If you have a young guy. We have zero evidence telling okay. us that he's not that guy because he's not played in January. Well, he played a great season. So that's, right, but that that's doesn't worth, tell us that something. he's going to come up big in the playoffs. It would be, it, to me, it would be, uh, you know, you know, really disrespectful of Marvin Lewis if he went that way. I, I agree with you. I think Dalton I, took them to, what, 8-0 and 10-1, and whatever it was. He gets his thumb hurt, not his fault. You don't – unless McCarron plays out of his mind, I don't even think I that don't should think be Lewis a consideration. Would do it. I don't think Hugh Jackson would do that to Dalton. Yeah. I, I totally agree. But there's, there's variations here. It's not just, okay, Andy Dalton's back. He's Andy Dalton again. He has a broken thumb. So – On his passing. It's hand. not going to be completely perfect – after six weeks or whatever. So it's a variation of, like, can he be that guy? He also has never had an injury in the NFL where he's missed time. So he's coming off of, what, five or five weeks off by then? And you have to come in versus a guy that's been playing every week that is 100% healthy, and then you start making that decision. And, and we don't know. I mean, it'll be, Im- well, now be impossible to McCarran know. Well, now McCarron is looks- not 100% healthy. Well, that's a fair point, too. Well, but- you're you're also presupposing that, Dalton isn't 100% when he's ready to play a playoff game. So I'm, I think the, the question is, if he were 100%, could he be replaced by McCarron? I just I don't see the team doing that. It's, I think it's a weird idea, thing to do to your locker room, too. I think the idea is he we would don't be look playing at through that way. some amount of pain regardless. I mean, with a broken thumb, it takes months to truly recover. Not just pain, but you lose range of motion in your thumb. Let's see. I mean, it's going to be stiffer. I think this is more a conversation if – McCarron flames the Jets in Wild Card Weekend for 330 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, he's got to. You know right. I mean? like, he's got to make that argument for himself. Which your Jets might be pri- the primary focus of West of us mm. this year. I know. West of us is on, baby. I know. Thank it's, you, Broncos. But the way it looks right you now, both celebrating. We, we're smelling a Chiefs Texans uh, playoff game at the moment, and if that's happening, that's definitely the early Saturday game. So oh, this yeah. would be a Sunday Jets uh, spectacular. Right. Okay. So that's what's going on with the Bengals. Let's move on. We have not talked about this yet, so let's touch on it. Uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, Al Jazeera, which I know, Wes, you, that's a network you are plugged in on. Al Jazeera uh, America. Uh, Al Jazeera America, I should say. Um, they released a documentary this week. Um, you know, it was on doping in sports. It involved a um, some type of former Olympic level athlete and doing some undercover camera work uh, in digging his way through the seedy world of PEDs. 
And in uh, over the course of this documentary, Peyton Manning's name comes into it. Uh, someone that worked at a clinic in Florida uh, referenced that Peyton and his wife Ashley Ma- Manning had received uh, HGH shipments to their home and blame the wife good move and what happens then of course this blows up when it gets out there i think the huffington post first did a a report on it and since this has come out you know there's uh, retractions galore including uh, charlie sly who was the employee on the hidden camera that mentioned the mannings uh, manning angrily denied ever taking peds and said he's never met charlie sly although he did say he has been involved with his clinic as has his wife but not in any nefarious way. Uh, a reporter for the Al Jazeera America documentary uh, went on the Today Show on Tuesday and said that the documentary never directly linked Manning to HGH, just the wife, uh, in terms of shipments. So that's where you are right now in Manning Al Jazeera Gate. I mean, it's become so absurd that Carson Daly played a major role today. If I'm how about that? Carson Daly, I remember in the 90s watching MTV, he's like the host of the Beach House at Seaside Heights, and now he's in high-octane sit-downs on uh, the Today Show with Manning's legacy at stake. One of the hardest-working men in show business. This is the biggest non-story that we've reviewed on this podcast since Deflategate. Why do you know something that we don't? Well, the guy's already recanted his <laughs> re, the guy's already recanted his claim. And would it bother you whatsoever if Peyton Manning used HGH to get over four next surgeries? It would bother a lot of people. Wouldn't bother me one bit. I don't, I don't think it would. One thing that really stuck with me was the Deadspin article about this. There and they were you know a little blasphemous, not blasphemous, but uh, trying to get attention by hyperbolic? saying the hyperbolic's the perfect yeah, word. The PDs debate is over. And the point of the argument is there's really not that outrage about it anymore. Every the discussion about this is about the reporting and about Manning's um, reaction on ESPN, which people have different feelings about. Some people think there's some pretty suspicious things about it. Other people think it was very convincing, but very little bit a bit about it is like, well, this tarnishes his legacy. Well, this is crazy that he did this. You, I will I will signal back to January when. Mark Brunel was sobbing on live television oh my God. about Tom Brady taking some air out of balls, allegedly. <laughs> there will be a large segment of the media and population that would view this as Peyton Manning committing you know, treason uh, against himself and America. Even if it shouldn't be viewed that way, it would be a massive story if he were ever actually linked to all this. I hope it doesn't happen. I like Manning as a player. I hope that he didn't do anything uh, you know, that would be seen as illegal because HGH use is illegal in the NFL. It has been since 2014. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. It's a little murky whether it was at the time, although they did agree in 2011, no more HGH. The shipments were in 2011, but they it took a while for the NFL and the NFLPA to hammer out uh, testing for HGH. But, you know, it's just kind of a messy sto- a story, and I'm with you, Wes, that it feels like a non-story, especially when there's more fun stuff to be talking about in the NFL. But when Peyton Manning plus steroids comes out, it's going to be a story. We're in a different climate now, and athletes' bodies, specifically NFL athletes' bodies, or in the news, like how how does the NFL protect them from themselves? And if you're not allowing things like HGH, and if you're not allowing marijuana, which can be used to help players get over injuries, I, I think these are discussions that are going to happen in the next half decade or so. I was when I was planning to hang out with Wes at uh, around noon on Saturday. <laughs> I texted him. I said, "Hey, let's get together. Uh, why don't I come over in an hour?" He texts back, 
Hold on, got to wait till 7 p.m. Still watching backlogged uh, tapes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of Al Jazeera America. Call you later. Uh, <laughs> I've partied with a lot of big Al's before, but not big Al Jazeera. <laughs> I mean, your obsession is disturbing. <laughs> Listen, Wes has told me, said, that's an unfiltered news take. You know, you watch CNN and Fox, you know, that stuff. You're watching it through a lens. Al Jazeera America is where it's at. I do. Wrestling out. Look, I, wow. I do have when strong opinions on When did you start doing your impersonation of Damashek impersonating Wesley? <laughs> <laughs> I do have strong opinions on news coverage, but it doesn't involve Al Jazeera. All right, let's move on. It's one thing I love about you, Wes. you got strong opinions about everything. Not quite. Just about. Yeah. It's, it's endearing <laughs> to me. Uh, moving Thanks, on. Man. <laughs> Drew Brees. Hey, listen, all the big buzz in the offseason about, ooh, this could be the story of the offseason, some type of uh, double uh, switch, if you will, Drew Brees and Sean Payton going elsewhere to another team leaving the Saints after a long period of prosperity together. Not happening. Drew's, Drew Brees was on uh, NFL Network's NFL HQ. Sp- speaking of his favorite programs, Marcus, show you watch every morning uh, with a cup of coffee and some Danish uh, Breeze appeared on HQ on Tuesday, was asked, was asked if he sees any scenario in which he and coach Sean Payton are not back in New Orleans this season. He had this to say. No, I don't. A plan was put in place, you know, throughout last offseason, you know, as to how we were going to make a run at it in the future. You know, obviously we had high expectations in the, going into this year, and we fell a little bit short. But I'm confident with the character, the leadership, the talent that we have. On Sunday, uh, Rap Sheet noted that Br- uh, Breeze and Peyton could be both else could both be elsewhere next season. Drew Breeze has a historically large uh, cap hit um, or a cap charge for 2016 of thirty million dollars. So the, the Saints probably have to figure out a way to make it work, but I guess they want to, which makes sense because Drew Breeze is still one of the top probably six to eight quarterbacks in football. Well, when did Drew Brees get to decide? Right, exactly. It never was up to Drew Brees. This doesn't mean anything to me. It means as much as Sean Payton making little jokes about Twitter reports that you got to have some Sunday Twitter reports. Meanwhile, <laughs> while while his representatives are the ones you know throwing this stuff out there, where he might like to go. Who else would know where Sean Payton would like to go? By the way, when this is coming out, yeah, he might want to go to Los Angeles or Miami. Only people that are close to Sean Payton. So. This Breeze thing means nothing to me because it's not up to him. It's up totally to disagree. It's up to Tom Benson and Mickey Loomis totally and disagree. whatever GM they if sign. If Drew Breeze doesn't want to go to another Strong team, opinion. he's not going to go to another team. I, well, it, hold won't on it now. change if Sean Payton leaves? That's not up to him. That that might change. Th- I'm just saying it's too early. For right. He can't speak for both of them as a package deal. And also the Saints haven't, as far as we know, have come to him very point blank and said, you want to stay here? you got to take a major pay cut. That can change everything, too. Breeze is just, what? Ha- what's he going to say? Yes, we are thinking about leaving. One of us, it's probably my coach, is exploring my options. The Saints are not married to telling the truth. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, He's going to have to renegotiate his contract. Now, whether that means adding extra years and getting more guaranteed money and lowering the figure, which probably sounds fine to Drew Breeze, or – Something that he hasn't been one to take less money in the past, right? No, a- and but you know the cap hit thing—it's bad for the Saints. You know they're in one of the worst situations, but it's really going up a lot. I think it's going up twelve something million, and it's going to go up a lot next year. So that makes it a lot easier. Um, finally, in the news, um, Shad Khan came out on Tuesday and announced that Gus Bradley, the coach of the Jaguars, how long has he been there now? Three seasons. That's right. Five and time ten. as Chip Kelly. Remember, he interviewed with the Eagles. He was the he was the runner up with the Eagles. 
Yes, Gus Bradley has had very little success, wins and losses, uh, to the point where going 5-10 and 10 this season is seen as um, some type of great gain. Uh, but his quarterback is making progress. They're more uh, you know, competitive than they have been in the past. So Shad Khan says Gus Bradley will be back in 2016, so you could cross him off the list. Um, Greg, does this mean anything to you? I found the most interesting <laughs> part of this story that they did the thing Chad Khan is – that is, where in the statement he made it clear this guy has to win next year. So this was the on notice. We He said something to the effect that we fully expect this will be the best year of his career and will be in a much different you know position next year at this time. Translation, if if you're 6-10 again, that's it. If it you, you know, you're going to yeah. have to have a winning record is probably the bar, something like that next season, which makes sense. I like this move for one specific reason, because you've got a lot of potential vacancies opening up. And while Jacksonville has to be an attractive opening to certain potential coaches because of a non-knee-jerk reaction owner who is patient and you've got a potential franchise quarterback in place, still, you're in a bad division and you've got a GM and a coach that are very happy working together. I would take that over blowing things up and hoping it works somewhere else. I understand the progress has not been what you want from teams, but there is progress that can lead to a quick turnaround type season next year, especially on offense. They got to fix that defense. And I wonder if this agreement behind the scenes came with some of your assistants. Some of these people are going to be gone as part of this. Maybe not. I don't know. Tangible signs of progress on offense. This is all about the quarterback. He can't just stunt Blake Bortles development now after he showed progress. Nope. And, you know, in their defense, their number three overall pick in the draft towards ACL before the season. Yeah. And he says work remains to be done to be where we expect at this point next season, which is well above where we stand today. So, you know, win, win some games and you'll stay. One more note here. Josh Freeman has signed with the Colts. Whoa. Back in the maybe league. Stephen Morris, if he goes down, we get a little Josh Freeman It action. wouldn't be shocking if Josh Freeman started a game with playoff implications in the year 2016. Whoa. 17. I take. I mean, uh, don't you, don't you think? January 2nd? Don't you think he's got a chance to start over Stephen? Uh, yes, yes, I mean, he does, I mean, this week really that he could start over Stephen Morris because it sounds like Whitehurst. Wait, but they're has not going to the playoffs. They still out. need a nine-team parlay to make the playoffs. I'm saying a playoff, a game with playoff implications. Their game is oh, relevant. Imps. Yeah, imps, imps, yeah, imps. Okay, <laughs> that's what's happening uh, in the NFL today. Uh, let's now look for it. Now we're going to leave. This is a very Greg-heavy show. You know. Greg, what are you talking about? That's what the listeners have been asking. Podcasts, for. <laughs> you know, he's got a celebrity friend. Everything's going great for. What Greg. else has been heavy, heavy Greg about it? I don't know. In a good way, I'm just I'm I'm leaning on you a lot, and I'm okay. going to do it again right now as we talk about uh, the playoff picture overview with our signature NFL playoff robot, Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> the man knows all the permutations and computations when it comes to the playoff picture. Uh, you wrote up the AFC one late. Um, last night, NFC picture before that. What's the picture looking like? Let's start in the AFC, Greg. Well, it's not an exciting Week 17 overall. I think your Jets really Mm. are the most intriguing thing about this final week. Jets, of course, are in with a win. Don't blow it. Please don't blow it. Against the Bills in Buffalo. Steelers, their only route in is with a Jets loss and a victory, which maybe we shouldn't assume at this point, over the Browns. So that's, Why not? That's the only route in. That's what the Denver loss did last night because Denver is now in. There's only that one spot left. Pittsburgh has no other way to get in. This, right. this is setting up exactly how 
Dan said it, what, a couple of weeks ago when we had a hit to decide how the Jets would break Dan's heart. Mm. And he said they would win against the Patriots, go into week 17, and lose to Rex's Bills. That is definitely on the table. I am. You think it's going to happen, Wes. I do. Well, I think it has a chance to happen. I think that. You got to no, put but, your money where your mouth is because we're going into week 17 and our picks, you're tied with Kevin oh, I'm Patrick check the Bills. coming at you. That Ooh, could you be are. the decider. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pick the Bills. I love it. But go ahead, Wes. What were you saying? I, it wasn't important. <laughs> no. But, yeah, here's the thing. I'm uh, – yes, I'm always kind of on guard that they're going to kill me, but I'm, I'm confident they will take care of business in this game. Mm. Um, I, I think that they will. But would it stun me if something bad happened? Uh, uh, no, it wouldn't. And that would change. Let's say, okay, let's say the Jets win. AFC pictures locked up in the wild card rankings. Right. Uh, the Pats, what do the Pats lose? If the Pats lose, the Broncos can get that number one seed. They, they suit up at different times. Pats are playing early. They can clinch it early. By the time the Broncos play, they'll know what's at stake, and they could get into that one seed. The Bengals cannot get a one seed, but they can get a bye. And I, I would watch out for that Chargers team. Played a little better the last couple weeks. I don't think their defense is playing really well. I don't think, yeah, the defense playing. Well. I don't think their Broncos are going to run away and hide. So the Chiefs still have that chance to win the AFC West. Chiefs need to win at home against Oakland. That's not an easy game, but they moved it. So the times it's starting at the same time as the Broncos, and they'll be facing off for the AFC West title. Then. All right, let's take a look now at the NFC playoff picture. Uh, uh, five teams angling for seeds, says our headline on NFL.com slash around the NFL. Redskins locked into the four seed. Uh, let's talk about the Packers-Vikings scenario, Greg. Why is this one a little mm, tasty? Because <laughs> well, if you're a Packers fan, wouldn't you rather be on the road in Washington than host a game uh, potentially against the Seahawks? I don't know. I don't know the the sound effect was too funny. Oh, the sound effect <laughs> is killing me. It's great. It's so good. So you're suggesting Green Bay maybe should just lose. I mean, that's what they've been doing naturally anyway, so maybe it'll <laughs> take care of itself. Right. So you'd rather go to Washington than have a home game playoff game? Yeah, and then if you even play it out a little further, well, you never know who's going to win the, the other game. But in theory, uh, maybe maybe you'd rather go to Carolina than Arizona the second week, too. You, you know, you, you, no team would ever actually do this. I'm not saying that it's a serious consideration. Packers want to get some good mojo after the last few weeks. They wouldn't purposely do it, but you can go out there and – not play with as much mojo or not be not have the same inspiration that you would normally. And, and they've it, shown they can do that too. And that Seattle-Arizona game, the way the last week worked out really helped out in terms of interest because the one seed's still up for grabs and they're going to play at the same time. The Panthers and uh, the Cardinals are both going for it. I mean, it, the Seahawks-Cardinals game strikes me as very strange. Very little at stake to nothing at stake for the Seahawks. Right. I kind of – and they've got some injuries. Yeah. I, I don't, I'd be surprised if the Seahawks play to win. Mm. And if they get that six seed, you're playing at the NFC North champion, which is a tougher game, I think, than at the Redskins, but they probably don't care about that. Hmm. How many times have the Seahawks and the Redskins played in the playoffs? So I think this is three straight times that the, Redsk the Redskins have lost to the Seahawks. I believe three straight times they've made the playoffs. They that lost to the Seahawks. This would be the fourth. Including the Beast Quake game, right? Mm. No. no, that well, was, that was Saints. the Saints. That was the RG3 Neil Payton game. Ah, yeah. uh, yes. That was sad. The Red Shed. Um, so Are you guys you excited about this week 17? I mean, I know you're not. It's not a lot of juice. Not a ton of juice. That What is the Sunday night uh, game? That's the NFC North game. Packers-Vikings. 
I mean, that it game would be better if it was like the loser was out, but that would have given a little pop. But we're not going to get that. The I think you're right. The Jets Bills game is the biggest game of the week. So how come that's being played at 1 p.m.? Because they just were worried the Jets would somehow like if the Steelers lost again early, then the Jets would be in, and then it just would be a dud. Uh, you know, I would kill that decision because even if the even if that happened, the idea of Rex versus the Jets, Jets, that would be much less impactful. But I just want to see that at night. I call this flex scheduling in Week 17 the Bill Pullian rule. Thank you, Bill Pullian, for giving us this rule. Mm. That the games actually mean something because you started resting your starters in week 11 or whatever. Oh, yeah. You're, I think, and I know the year it might have really turned was the year the Titans had a winning in on Sunday night football and the Colts didn't even play their starters. Well, and who got knocked out of the playoffs because of that? Couldn't happen to a better team. The Browns! Oh, sorry. I thought <laughs> That's you were talking you about meant? the Colts. They went 10-7 and seven for the first time in like 30 years and they lost because the Colts decided to put everyone on the couch. Oh. It's fine. I don't care at all. I'm of the Bruce Arians <laughs> mindset. They schedule you for 16 games. That's right. Play 16. Yeah, he games. said they're playing. Right. They're going all out. It, how weird is it that the Seahawks will be two and four in the division if they lose that game? Wow. They get mm. swept by two different teams: the Rams and the Cards. Mm. Uh, g- good robot work, Greg. Thanks as always. Until next year. Until next year, exactly. Uh, let's uh, before we get out of here today. Let's uh, talk about you know it is that time of year, guys. You know, it is December 29th as of taping. Uh, a lot of old men here. I count myself. I don't imagine that we'll be going too hard on New Year's Eve. Not hardly like Sydney, who will probably be Ooh, yeah. swigging from a champagne bottle at the top of the Magic Kingdom Tower. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> is that what it's called? Uh, it's like you don't know me at all. <laughs> Minus the champagne. I'd yeah, four loco. Little four sure. loco, little champagne. Johnny style. Johnny, enough with the four loco. Yeah, I mean, that's Johnny over. Yeah, and I, we're, we're tight. <laughs> um, you wait, run so in the same circles. Yeah, so we're you basically the same person. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't actually know for sure. My family is gonna be down in Utah. I might hang out with them. I'm not sure. This is how I see it. Sydney, um, running the whole thing. Uh, warehouse downtown Los Angeles. The invite doesn't go out until 11:36 p.m. All points bulletin. Massive rave in the warehouse in downtown L.A., New Year's party. Uh, it's, it will be called New Year's Till You Die. And Sydney <laughs> will be hosting it and being the DJ, playing DJ. DJ I feel more board. confident in this if this was 1997. <laughs> what Sydney would have been like, Damn. One of my least favorite things about L.A. is the amount of people that are here. So <laughs> you can count me out for that rave. Thank you. All right. I'm with you on that one. I'd like to know what your DJ name would be, Sid. I guess La, La Sid could yeah, be good. It's pretty good. Stick with La Sid. Well, what about the guy, uh, Danger Mouse? Uh, not Danger Mouse. Who's the uh, DJ that wears the um, big mouse on his head? What's his name again? You're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> the only DJ I know is Jazzy Jeff. Exposing herself. As anyway, old, you could wear the mini mouse. Guys. You know, it's over. He's a good DJ. I know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Anyway, New Year's Eve coming up. Uh, let's share some New Year's resolutions, NFL style, of course. So we'll you know go around the old horseshoe here. And you can speak on behalf of a player or a coach or a GM or a fan base, your New Year's resolution. And uh, Chris Wessling, I am going to start with you, your New Year's resolution. Who is it on behalf of? I don't know if you want to start with me. No, let's do it. Well, you know, you can talk about your HGH and your deflate gate and your teams trying to lose down the stretch to improve their draft picks. Talk about integrity of the game. I'm the competition committee, and I resolved to fix the sport's biggest problem at its base, the most 
basic play in the pass-heavy era is the forward pass, mm. and nobody knows what a catch is. Not the players, not the coaches, not the officials. As the competition committee, we resolve to figure out what a catch is in the NFL. Wow. I like it. That's a great resolution. That was good. Why be wouldn't you want to go first? That's a home run. Yeah. You just stole mine. I wish I went first. I was going to have a Blandino-tinged one. All right, well, let's hear it. No, well, no, that was, that was essentially it. I'm going to have to improvise. Greg basically did not do the assignment. No, Whoever I went first was going to say, well, that no. was mine. No, I, I was going to do the Blandino thing. I'll give too. a little, like, a Blandino. Uh, and we love Dino Blandino. Uh, maybe he'll come on the show one day. We can talk to him about how he's the hardest job in professional sports. Um, you know, it's time to get rid of the Xbox controller. Let's give him something a little more official. Professional? Yeah. Wait, where does he have the Xbox controller? Oh, on the network hits or yeah. what? Every time he's on television, going over, his, he's <laughs> holding a remote control or a, a gamer control that, you know. It's like your nephew's use. explaining the NFL rules. Yeah, let's not, give him something a little, like, at least make it gold or something. I don't know. It would not, help. Not to get too far off topic here, but we're talking Blandino. Do you, did you notice the part of the game last night where Ed Hockley missed uh, the yeah. face mask? And then a minute later, he just was, oh, yeah, there was a face mask on that play. And ev- everyone had the same thought that I did, too. Like, that, I think Blandino's getting in those guys' ears now from New York. Mm. And, so and what's that, wrong with that, you know? That I think it's bother okay. me at all. I, I think it's okay. I don't, don't think that, that's probably not what happened. I think I, I saw somewhere else where they said that probably couldn't have happened. But if they somehow have some technology that we're not aware of, I like it. I do, too. And I think – Do you think they should be honest about it? As, yeah, I think they will. They said in the playoffs they're going to be more involved. Maybe they'll just change it. Maybe that should be part of uh, Blandino's resolution in the competition. Let let Dean have more power. Let's, <laughs> let's let him really Maybe run. Maybe he can buy stuff. a top button for his shirt next time. <laughs> um, so you don't have a resolution no, now? I'm going to have a resolution. Okay, let's I had some other thoughts. Uh, this one's going to be for Mike Tomlin. You know, don't just use those. He's going to resolve to not just use those good pregame speeches and good pregame plans when you're playing good teams. What team has blown it against bad squads more consistently than Mike Tomlin and the Steelers over the last seven years? It happens. It's it's not a new thing at all. When, when they have a cupcake on the schedule, it's like they don't really show up. So Mike Tomlin, who's thought of as one of the best coaches in the league, he should resolve to bring his A game against the lower levels of the league. And they would have a lot more success. It's a good one. Damashek likes that one. It's a nice resolution. And yeah, they were talking about Ike Taylor to it. He said, "I don't know. Well, that's always been the case. That's what. That's what. That's what's always happened." I mean, there's numbers that prove it too. A couple of years ago, they they lost to three teams with that were three games under 500. It, it always happens under Tom. I think they get too confident. Okay. It's been a real rough road for those Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. It was my backup, but I'll take it. That was pretty good backup. Here is my resolution, and I did. Um, I had um, for Mark's Christmas. We had Secret Santa last week, and I said, "Oh, maybe uh, Johnny Manziel could stay with Mark in his little back house and watch after him." But then I realized that's not really a gift, Mark, for you because that means you can have fun in the off season. We need to blow off some steam. So uh, my backup plan is we're going to take Johnny. We're going to send him to Russia during the off season. Uh, find Rocky's cabin from Rocky Four. <laughs> No TMZ sports, no Instagram, no cell reception, you know, no four loco. Can't bring the four. I love loco. this. It's illegal. And just leave him there until OTAs. I don't. I don't even care if he gets into the Russian vodka supply. You know, have at it. Be responsible about it. You know, uh, but work out. Do the Rocky workouts in the mountains. 
Uh, just stay out of trouble. We'll come get you in April for OTAs. Johnny goes go. to the grocery store and gets like 700 pounds of potatoes. <laughs> I hope this doesn't turn into an into the wild scenario. But other than that, yeah. very happy with this. this I think you wonderful. might want to rethink the location. Just if you're if you're looking to avoid trouble and underworld dealings and lawless no, uh, he's society, be, he's I don't know if Russia is the place to go. He's going to be like complete seclusion. He's going to be okay. in the middle. Have you seen Rocky Four? Well, not most. Of not Mos- I love it, Not dude. Moscow or anything. Or no, no, way out. And even if like. Uh, you know, the Russian Putin sends his goons out there. It'll be the roads will be so snow covered they won't be able to get to him. It'll be that situation. It's foolproof. And I do want to. I do have a second one. I I want to throw this one out here to the uh, people at NBC. And it is. Uh, I don't know if it's ironic or coincidental that our money drop today was about Carrie Underwood. Um, my New Year's resolution is to write a new jingle for the misunderstood but undeniably talented Carrie Underwood uh, replaced the waiting all day for Sunday night theme with something more palatable. And you're going to write this. I will write it myself. I wrote uh, the team of ATN theme, which went off the rails. Not well, Rails is not the right term. It blew up in a great way. People love that song. That thing <laughs> top was the top charts. ten. Top the charts. <laughs> Just here are the lyrics, a couple of lyrics from waiting all day for Sunday night, and you tell me if, if it's the source material or the performer that's to blame. Um... All right, Sunday night, where are you? What, what, what does that even mean? It's on Sunday night. Uh, waiting for the game that leads red, white, and blue. What is this like? Leads, maybe. Well, that's, that's the lyric sheet. Bleeds red, white, and blue. They probably changed it to leads because they didn't want to be. Uh, and that's not the only uh, jingoism in here. Get on your feet for a star-spangled fight. <laughs> Did they hire Toby Keith? I think that's written song? by a guy Wait, in what about county the, my, department. My favorite was always Al and Chris are the best on TV. And then they shoehorned uh, Tafoya in there. Uh, but it's get on your feet for a star-spangled fight. More than a game, it's every fan's right. Well, they should have gone nonsense. Should have gone with delight. Well, yeah. if if she's a real artist. You know, she should have some control of the material that she does. And if she doesn't believe in that material, you know, make a stand as a real. I mean, she's not Bob Dylan. I don't think she. Yeah, I don't think she's known as an artist. I listen. I'm just saying I'm going to get NBC. If you're listening, if you want to sponsor the show, does that work? I don't know. Uh, uh, let's talk. I'm with you. And and we can make a better song. Mm. Finally, Mark, let's hear your resolution. It can't get worse. That song. Uh, well, mine is for Rex Ryan. Mm. And it's very simple. Stop talking. <laughs> and it starts right now. And here's how I do this because you can't just ask him to do that. It's not He can't do that. He, he knows he can't. I get defensive coordinator Dennis Thurman to go down to the local Wegmans in Buffalo, pick up three items, a tube of crazy glue, a roll of 3M nuclear-grade duct tape, and one gigantic storm blanket. Have Thurman glue Rex Ryan's lips with the crazy glue. Very simple. Ouch. Then have Thurman wrap the nuclear-grade duct tape around Rex's head 27 times, very tightly. Make sure that Rex cannot budge from the neck up, not even an inch. Sounds then horrible. have Thurman swirl the iron-infused storm blanket around Rex Ryan's head and keep it in place until early September. We will all benefit. Can he breathe in this scenario? Kind of. I, this is definitely the most likely segment of uh, the podcast to ever be that's going to be, ever be used for evidence in a trial. Yeah, this sounds like, like a it's sneaky murder plot. <laughs> well, he, you need to take these steps to quiet him at this point. Why don't we just send him off to the log cabin with John? 
I don't want Rex and John Manziel together. John. I like John Manziel. That's another resolution. Change your name to John. That would help. That John would help. Manziel. That doesn't work. I'm still feeling bad to all our Russian listeners for calling it Leningrad. I don't think that's been the case in 25 You called years. it Leningrad? I said send him to, what was it, St. Petersburg? Sorry, Russian listeners. Greg, always on the wrong side of Russia. <laughs> um, there you go. That, there the that was dramatic, Mark. I feel like the thing I like about your uh, con- contributions is we see s- I- I- into Mark, like a different well, part. Well, no, like it, if id. you removed Rex Ryan from our life for the entire offseason, I'm thinking of all of us. How many less posts would that be for everyone? But, ooh, it's true. Nice. It's true. And I will like say – half the posts that we do in the offseason. There is um, a theme here and some connective tissue, both with the Christmas giveaway uh, when, Mark, you gave your gift to Wes, and it also tied into the Ravens being disbanded. This one ties into Rex Ryan being tortured <laughs> relentlessly. <laughs> I'd like to use the so word muzzled. You're getting – well, that would be what we would tell the, the media – and this is, would be the reality. So you're getting a little gift to yourself in these two, and that's good. That's, that's how gifts savvy. work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, I've got one, too. Ooh. Ooh okay. Yeah. Okay. Saucy. I actually had one very similar to Mark's. It was a little less violent, but <laughs> it was basically like, Rex, let your actions speak louder than your words. But I also think that for 2016, Rob Gronkowski, I would like you to find a nice girl uh-huh. and settle down. Wow. You know, Interesting. Yeah. Now. I just think it's time. Are you that girl? No. <laughs> How do you he's know? a little. He's a little too life in the fast lane, right? Yeah, a little bit. If I were to pick a pet, it would be Jules. Jules is. Wait like a second, Edelman. Jules. Oh yeah, she's a huge Edelman. Wait a second, Edelman is a handsome guy, but that guy, to me, first of all, his foot's messed up, and that's not attractive. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> he is <laughs> very. He seems very like full of himself. I would think you would like a more down to earth, uh, a man of the woods and people. That likes and Disneyland. Rob Gronkowski is uh, no. down to earth. Fair. Okay. I was just checking. The other thing is, why do you, you have to consider the Gronk? height difference there. Why, why do you think that Gronk needs to be tamed? I mean, he's yeah, a young guy. No, I'd be worried as a Patriots fan. I'd be just worried. Find a nice girl. This feels like a happiness. failed shot at me. I'm 15 years older than Gronk, and Ooh. I haven't settled down. <laughs> it was not a failed shot at you, Wes. <laughs> I don't know why he has to settle down. The man's only 26 years old. All I'm saying as a Patriots, I don't want to mess with what's working for mm. Gronk. You know what you're Keeping saying? Keeping his mind clear right now is working. To, to once again lean on a Rocky analogy, you don't want Gronk to lose the eye of the tiger. Exactly. Well, Greg, it's all going to come for tumbling re- down for you and the Patriots at some point, so why not it start with a Gronk marriage? But wait, but <laughs> back, back to the original point. Sydney, why do you want Gronk to find love rather than to continue to you know, have a summer of Gronks and all that stuff and just kind of be the essence of the frat boy forever? I don't know. I just I think that maybe that would complete him in a way. Mm. Mm. Spiritual fulfillment. Yeah. I like that. Also, Kirk Cousins find a new catchphrase, but that's beside the point. <laughs> She's got a lot of them. <laughs> They're I all do. relevant. She's got more opinions than I do. I like that. All right. So that's Tuesday's episode of the Around the NFL podcast. We are going to be back on New Year's Eve uh, Thursday uh, to talk about week 17. No Thursday night football game this week. That's, those are all over. Um, so we'll be uh, 16 games to talk about on Sunday. Uh, so get ready for that. So thank you, for everybody, for listening. Uh, and until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and La Cid behind the glass. Till Thursday.
Hi and hello, football fans. Your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.